Boy, I read some of the history of Valentine's this week. It didn't start out so nice. <laughs> not a good holiday at first because it was pagan at first but um we're not going to talk about those today stop Ali, stop <laughs> um when they say the lo that love makes the world go round and i think what love in the world does is make us spin like a dog chasing its tail looking for love in the wrong way i'm always spinning never finding or when you do, it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. But thankfully, we have a God that is totally, good morning, totally different when it comes to love. You know, love, love is really one of the most basic, universal needs that everyone has. Um, it doesn't matter where you are in this world, everyone needs love. And the world will tell you there's all kinds of love. There's puppy love. There's true love. There's that first love. Uh, let's see, what else do we love? We love uh, chocolate. <laughs> we love our friend's haircut. Or we love different things. And we certainly use the term loosely. But having just celebrated a day dedicated to love, we know pretty well that the world is not very good at stimulating what God's love is like. And today we want to look at that. The need to be loved shouldn't surprise us because the God who created us created us from love. And he put that God-shaped hole in every one of us so that we would, as Acts 17, 27 says, would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him Though he is not far from each one of us. That's Acts 17, 27. That we would seek God. That's what he created us. To know that love. To grope after him. To reach out for him. And then when we do, we find that he is not far from us. Sadly, we spend so much time looking for love in all the wrong places. And... Um, I pray, though, that as we look at his word this morning, that we would begin to earnestly seek that God who loved us so much that he created us with that God-shaped hole in, in us so that we would find him. So as soon as Lauren and Valerie get their things settled in here, no problem. We will open with prayer. Handouts are on the table, or they're up here on the table. It was Acts what? Acts 17, Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think I put it on the handout. Did I put it on the handout? No, I didn't. Acts 17, 27. Yeah, that seeking God and groping for Him is just an, an idea that just Sometimes you just need to sit and look at that verse and look at and see what each of those words mean. Because it's truly amazing. So obviously we're looking at love today. <laughs> Words uh, used 
in the Bible for love. And we're going to take a look at three of those today. One is Eros, and uh, it's, actually I don't even know if it's used in the New Testament, but Eros means it's passionate, lustful kind of love. But we're going to look today at Storge. Storge means to have a natural affection.
slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So Paul begins this letter to the church in Rome talking about the gospel of Christ and the righteous walking by faith. And then he starts to talk about the wrath of God being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You know, without the gospel, we would be stuck in that unrighteousness. But because of Christ and because he came in God's love, we have a whole different outlook on what our future looks like. We are going to face the wrath of God. Praise his name, because <laughs> I would not want to see that. But the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth, because that which is known about God is evident within them. God made himself known to all men, not just to those in the Western universe who, who at Hemisphere, who have heard the name of Jesus, but he makes himself known to all men just by placing within them that emptiness for a need for him. So it says that they start to worship creation rather than the creator in verse 20. And he says they are without excuse. They wouldn't believe. And in another verse, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the God of this world, Satan, blinds the eyes of those who will not see. They refuse to see. And so their eyes are blinded by the God of this world. They worship the creation rather than the creator, and God gave them over to their passions. He said, okay, this is what you're going to fill your life up with. This is what you're going to love. Then go ahead, love it, and see what it gets you. It won't get you where you want to go. It won't produce what you want it to produce. So he gives them over to their passions. Then we get to verse 31. It says, they become unloving. That word unloving is a store day. They don't have the right affection for one another or a protective love for one another. They are doing the opposite because they are only seeking what pleases themselves. So that's in verse 31 where we have that word, a store day. You know, we see that even with mothers and children today. We don't see a mom being protective. She ends up putting herself in a place with a, a man who's going to abuse her children, but because she so desperately wants to be loved and cared for, she's willing to sacrifice her own children. And um, that just breaks my heart when I see that. Because one, she doesn't understand the love of God. If she understood the love of God, she would not put the love of man above him. Amen, amen, amen. And two, those children are going to suffer the consequences mm -hmm. of the parent looking in the wrong place amen, for love. Amen. So we need to be praying for those in our community who are looking for love in all the wrong places. Yes. We need to be a vocal yes. voice to them that we know where to find love. We know where true love is. And they, would, they need to come and find that. Another word that is used in the New Testament is phileo. Phileo is a brotherly love. It's actually where the city of love, Philadelphia, gets its root from. Phileo. So Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, which all we have to do is look at their statistics to see it's not always so loving in Philadelphia, but it means brotherly love. Phileo means brotherly love. And um, this love is a conditional type of love. If you love me, I will keep loving you. If you treat me nicely, I will keep treating you nicely. That's the kind of love that Phileo is. 
one of the saddest stories to me in the New Testament um, comes out after the death and resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus comes to the disciples and to Simon Peter. And in fact, there are so many facets of this story that correlate to how he met Simon Peter in the first place and things that happened throughout their life together uh, when they were traveling together. And so if you ever get a chance to go back and harmonize some of those things, I'll point out a couple of them that the stories are so similar. Jesus just kind of wraps it all up for Peter here at when he comes back after his death and resurrection. And the similarities are, are striking to me, but it took me a while. It actually took someone pointing them out to me to, to show me the, the similarities of what Jesus was doing here. But turn with me to John chapter 21. So Jesus had died, he had been resurrected, he had already shown himself to the apostles and the disciples, um, a couple of other occasions, and here he meets up with them again. John chapter 21. It says, after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Now, you realize that they are still waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Pentecost has not happened yet. So these men are just sitting around waiting. Jesus told them to wait, right? So they're waiting. And then finally, Simon Peter says, I'm going to what I know. I'm going fishing. And so that's what he says. He says, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. Something to do. Give us something to do. We'll go back and go fishing with you. And they went out and they got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, Pass the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Do you remember the story in Luke 5 from Lake Intercept when he first meets them, and he does the same miracle where he's fished all night, and they haven't caught a thing, and Jesus tells them, Put your fish, your nets out on the right hand, and Peter's like, oh, we, we've been fishing all night. We're not going to catch anything. And then they couldn't even haul the nets in. They were so full of fish. It's the same thing over again. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, you realize John is writing this, right? Mm -hmm. John is the only one who calls himself the beloved of Jesus. John is the only one who makes that title for himself. And I think, how incredible is that? We should each title ourselves that, because we are beloved yes. by yes. our God. And so he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, talking about himself, says to Peter, it is the Lord. And they had experienced this in the beginning. So he, he recognized this story was happening again. Jesus had done this once before. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped down for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Verse 8. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away. Now this time Peter didn't say, hey, if it's you, Jesus, let me walk on water to you. You know, he learned his lesson the first time. <laughs> this time he just jumped in and swam to shore. And uh, so they come to about 100 yards away, dragging the nets full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire had already been laid. Do you remember the last charcoal fire that Peter was near? That one was the one of the Indian. That was the one where they came to him three times and said, hey, aren't you with him? No, 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 I'm not with him. It was a charcoal fire that they had gathered around that night when Jesus was taken as a prisoner 
and it was a charcoal fire that he stood by and said three times, I don't know him. Skip down to verse eight, uh, 15, if you will, and we'll get to the really sad part. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep, my lambs, excuse me. In verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Why is this story so sad to me? Well, because language makes a difference. And when you get into the Greek language of this text, you see and realize that Jesus is asking Peter a whole different thing than Peter answers. When Jesus says to him the first time, Peter, do you love me? He is asking him, do you agape me? He's not asking, do you phileo me? Do you brotherly love me? No, I agape. Do you agape me? He wants to know, do you agape me? And you know what Peter responds? Jesus, you know I love you with a brotherly love. You know I phileo you. And Jesus asks him again, do you agape me? And Peter says, I phileo you. Peter knows he just denied him three times. He's not faithful. He doesn't love God the way he should love him. He certainly doesn't love Jesus the way he should love him. He's still human enough to be fearful of what the world's going to do to him. So he phileo loves him. The third time when Jesus asks him, do you love me? He doesn't say, do you agape me? He asked him if he phileos him. Do you really even brotherly love me? And Peter says, you know I brotherly love you. Jesus knew he brotherly loved him. Jesus also knew he didn't agape him. Does anybody remember what the definition of agape is? We talked about it last. Unconditional. unconditional love. So it's unconditional love. Look at that kid here. Unconditional love. And it goes on. It is a self-sacrificial love. A self-sacrificial love that keeps on loving. And it manifests itself in giving. We see that with Jesus, right? He loved us self-sacrificially. Dying. It manifested itself by giving his life in ransom for us. So it keeps on loving regardless of the response. Amen. This is Amen. unconditional. It doesn't matter how they respond to that love. He continues to love us, continues to self-sacrificially love us, and it always manifests itself by giving. The other part of agape is that it always seeks to do what is best for the other person. God in his omniscience knows what is best for us. So he can always be giving the grace that we need for what is best for us. So when he asked Peter, do you love me with a self-sacrificial love that's willing to give? Peter responds with, I love you with a brotherly love. And I think quite often in our own walk with God, we would have to say the same. Yes. yes. We are human people who are fearful of what's going to, what, what, even what God may do to us, right? He may allow things in our life that we don't want to be allowed in our lives. Mm -hmm. But if we agape love him as he agape loves us, we will be willing to self-sacrifice for that love. Amen. We will be willing to give of ourselves.
So it just kills me that Peter responds to him. And then Jesus asks three times, again, very replicative of what had happened that night that he betrayed him. God's love, agape love, comes from a totally different source than what we have available to us as humans. That's why it's, re it's so imperative that we rely on him to place that within us. Morning, Desiree. Morning. So we want to, we looked at his attributes last month and um, we saw that he is love, he is omnipresent, he is omniscient, he's eternal, righteous, which we saw included perfect truth and justness. And um, we saw that he is, uh, let's see, where is it? He is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, and he is the sovereign one. And because of who he is, he is always seeking the best for us. Yes. In his omniscience, knowing all things, he knows what is best for us, even when we don't. How many times do we say, well, God, if you would just do it this way, I'm sure it would all work out just fine. <laughs> you know, we think we have the answers. But God knows the answers because he is omniscient. And he's all-powerful. He's going to work it to work it out for us. We don't have to rely on our strength and our power to see us through things. We have him. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Can't talk about love without turning it, right? 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> Often called the love chapter. Let's look at how true love is defined. Does somebody want to read verses 4 through 7 for me? Frivolously, I do. 
But there's so much more to making those covenants. We rejoice with the truth, it says, and we love, and we bear all things, and we hope all things, and we endure all things. Turn with me to 1 John, just back towards the end of the Bible. 1 John, after 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John. We're going to go to chapter 4 of 1 John. Verses 7 and 8 say this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. No other love can satisfy us the way that his agape can. But we can fully enjoy it when we are in relationship with him. And we have to have that relationship in order to understand his agape love. When we know him, we know he must be born again. As it talks about in John 3, when Jesus tells Nicodemus about being born again, we have to have that spiritual birth within us in order to even have a relationship with a God who is spirit. And so he gives us that through his agape love, and only in him is true love. Our attempts in this world to find acceptance, to find peace or joy, happiness through the earthly things that we have around us are all going to be in vain and will always leave us wanting more. But God is the true source of love because he is love. There's nothing he does or nothing he allows in our life. And catch this, ladies, it's true. There is nothing he allows in our life that has not been filtered through his love. And remember, his love only does what is best for the other. So whatever he allows into our life is for our best. It's motivated by his love. Motivated by his love. Not just allowed by his love. It is motivated by his love because he knows how to turn what was intended for evil into good. Remember, agape is an unconditional, self-sacrificial love that keeps on loving and keeps on showing that love through giving. And God is more than willing to give you all the grace needed to get through whatever situation he allows in your life. He is the unchanging, immutable God. We find in Hebrews 13, 8 that it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And now in Hebrews 3, 6, we see the Lord of hosts declares to Israel, Israel, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. What a blessing that he doesn't change. His loving kindness continues on and on and on. So even when we are so undeserving, and even when we fail him so many times, we are not consumed. He continues to offer grace upon grace to us. His love is unending. First Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. That unconditional aspect of his love is shown in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave it even though he knew the world wasn't going to love him back. Even though he knew people were going to reject him. Even though humanity fails him and denies him and rejects him and mocked him and spat on him and beat him. He still came in his love, always seeking the best, always working toward revealing his love until the day that his love will cast them into the fiery pit. And you ask, how is that love? How can a God who is love, this is the, the trend going on in Christian churches, if you want to call them Christian churches, in churches <laughs> across the nation, that if he's a God of love, then love wins and everybody gets to go to heaven and everybody will be happy and everybody. But that's not the gospel message. Amen. The gospel message says you have the choice to live or to die. 
He gave it back even to Israelites. I put before you a choice today in Deuteronomy. I think it's Deuteronomy. I wrote it down here somewhere. Um, in Deuteronomy 30, 15 to 20, God spoke through Moses to the Israelites saying, See, I have set before you today life, prosperity, death, and adversity. That I, in that, I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Thankfully, our faith in Jesus Christ produces our salvation. The focus of God's affections turned to those outside the Jewish nation when they denied him and they didn't recognize him as the Messiah. And thankfully, as we read in 1 John 4, 7 through 8, we have this um, love that is from God. It's loving for God to allow those who choose to go against him into the fiery pit strictly because he has allowed them that choice. He has given them that choice. So he has given them over to their passions. And that, even that, he does in love. As we continue to look at 1 John 4, down here in verse 9, it says, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love. And that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen. Propitiation is a pretty big word. Um, it was thought among pagans that in order to satisfy their God and to keep their gods happy, they had to continually give them something, sacrifice something to them. And in the Old Testament, we find God set up a similar um, Sacrifice for sin. They had to sacrifice lambs and goats and bulls and pigeons and doves and all these different sacrifices. None of them took away the sins of the world. None of them took away the sins of the people. They were offered daily. Daily. I mean, can you imagine? You know, I used to picture the Ark of the Covenant being this pristine, beautiful, you know, you see the description of the gold cherubs and, and the gold seed and all that. But you know when the high priest would go in there every year, what he would do? He would sprinkle blood all over where God would sit. And that just, when you think about it, it's like, what a smelly, messy, I mean, we come to church now and we get upset about a few little gondolas on the floor. Yeah. They had blood everywhere. I mean, feathers, pelts. I mean, it was like, just what? Gross, And that is where God wanted them to see that there was a need for a sacrifice for the how terrible sin actually was. And it didn't matter if it was the sin of murder, the sin of malice, the sin of slander, the sin of gossip. We read that list earlier, right? It's all sin. It all separates us from the righteousness of God. So it doesn't matter whether it's something what we would consider big in this world as sinful. Um, you know, the poor rich man, when he came to Jesus, said, I've done all those. I've obeyed the commandments. But had he? He hadn't loved the Lord God first. He loved his money first. He couldn't give up his money when Jesus said, sell all you have and give to the poor. He couldn't do it. 
because he loved that before he loved God. So it doesn't matter what kind of sin it is, sin separates us from God. Amen. We need a Savior. Amen. So we needed someone that would pay that penalty to appease God. But God didn't make us do it. He sent his own son to do it. He sent his own son to be the propitiation for us. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. And let's take a look at how the sacrifice of Christ changed this system forever. You realize we don't have to go to the temple and offer up sacrifices anymore. We don't have to deal with the smell of what was going on or the stench that was there. God dealt with all of that, removing it for us. And we see that in Hebrews. Chapter 10, verse 1. For the law, since it was only a shadow of the things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered, because the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have the consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is the reminder of sins year by year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. But he was not appeased by those bulls and goats that were offered up. He took no pleasure in that. It was simply to point out to man that they needed a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. He said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book that is written of me to do your will, O God. This is Jesus talking. After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law, then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. And praise God, we are no longer under that first covenant. We are under a new covenant wrapped up in the body of Christ. The blood of bulls and goats could never satisfy or atone for the sin of mankind. It would be the word made flesh dwelling among us, as it talks about in John chapter 1. Jesus Christ humbling himself to the point of death, as it talks about in Philippians 2, 5, and 6. That is the one that satisfied the debt owed by our sin. It is only because of his propitiation. He was the only one who could make that rightful gift to God in exchange for our sin. And it's all because of his character of complete love. God satisfied the debt himself because he loved self-sacrificially, manifesting itself by giving to do what was best for the rest of us. Even in our sin, God loved us. We see that in Romans 5, 6, and 8. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, Though perhaps for the good man, someone would even die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. But God, those two words, if it were not for him that he was a God of love, you realize if God were only righteous and just, we would have no help whatsoever. We would have nothing because we can't meet God at his righteousness. We can't meet him at his holiness. It's only in his love 
that we're able to come to him. So praise God. He's not just a God that's righteous and holy. Praise God. He is a God of love. Because that is where we can come to him, is in his love. And the most fantastic news of all comes from Romans 3, chapter or chapter 3, verse 38 and 39. Romans chapter 3. You know, the whole book of Romans is so full of doctrine that every Christian should know. We should be in it all the time. But um, Romans 3, verses 38 through 39. Wait a second. Wrong. Hang on a second. 8. Excuse me. 8. 38. I knew that was wrong. Like, no, Romans 8 also has my other favorite verse in it. <laughs> Romans 8. <clears throat> so if that's wrong on your paper... Correct that. That's Romans 8, 38 and 39. <clears throat> and it says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, ladies, nothing Amen. can separate Amen. us from that love. Yes. What a blessing. Amen. And then if we pick up back in 1 John 4, verse 15, we find whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he is in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in Love abides in God, and God abides in him. You know, that word abide means to be comfortably at home with. If we are comfortably at home with God, we will be in his love, and his love will be in us, because where he is, his spirit is. And his spirit will be with us, giving us that love. He is love. So also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect yes. love, complete yes. love, casts out yes. fear. Because fear involves punishment. Yes. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So the question then becomes, do we believe in his love? Do we trust in his yes. love? If we do then we will never be fearful of the things that God allows into our life. And we will respond the way that his spirit would have us respond to those things that he allows in our life. We'll never have a circumstance where our first thought is fear. That's a strange place to get to. Because we're human. And the first thing when something happens is we get the call from the doctor and he says, I need to talk to you about your report. Our human nature fears. But what if, ladies, I'm just throwing it out. What if, instead of that first reaction being fear, we were so trained in righteousness, and we were so trained to trust our God, that our first thought would be, God, what are you going to do Hallelujah. God, what do you want to do Yes. I see it happening in ladies that yes. I know online. I don't know them in person, but there's a gal right now who is going through the, the journey of ALS. Yes. And she's terminal. And she is a speaker and an author, a pastor's wife, and she's already lost her ability to communicate with her mouth because that's where her ALS originated. She can't talk anymore to ladies. She can't encourage ladies to walk in the Lord. So you think. <laughs> her blogging, she has learned to type with her eyes. And I don't know how long the Lord's going to give her, but he is using her in a mighty powerful way. Praise God. Even without a voice. Praise God. Because she is still blogging and talking about God through this whole thing. Her first thing when she first was diagnosed with ALS, uh, which has only been a few months ago now, um, she said to the Lord, her response was, 
if this is the chariot that you're taking me home in, I'll gladly get in. Uh, yeah. Wait, take out that kind of faith. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to be able to say to Amen. you, regardless of the circumstance, whatever you want, Lord. Yes. You know, when I had this carriage yes. in between my two kids, um, I was at that place at that point. And when we'd been trying, been on medications, tried for a couple of years to have a child, and finally got pregnant, and then I started to lose it. My first words to him were, okay, God, you Amen. love this baby more than me. Amen. Whatever Amen. you want. Whatever you want. Amen. Do I always respond that quickly? No. <laughs> there are a lot of times when I pull it back and say, okay, Lord, I know you're doing something here, but can I just be a little careful for a second? <laughs> but hopefully those times get shorter and shorter. Amen. Um, as a young mom, I had a doctor tell me I had a debilitating arthritis. And he said, and I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, if it's true, your life is going down the tubes. Mm -hmm. That was this doctor's words to me, and I'm a young mom. And I pulled out of his parking lot and, walked and went down the street. And by the time I got to the first stoplight, which was not that far, my heart was already, okay, Lord, if this is true, it's yours. Yes. And then it has to be shorter and shorter times in between. You know, when my daughter was diagnosed with cancer three years ago, her first words were, Lord, I just want you glorified in this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's God working yes. in us. Sorry, I get too emotional and stuff, but he is so Please. good. Yes. And I just want us to understand yes. that if we will just immediately be able to trust him yes. in whatever yes. situation yes. we're yes. in. That then our lives will be so much better. One of the first verses that came to mind when our daughter was diagnosed with cancer was Isaiah 23 6. The steadfast of the mind will be stayed on him, and they will have perfect peace because it stayed on him. And I just lived in that verse for those three, for those that year that we were going through that walk. Praise the Lord, he decided to heal her here before he eventually heals her there. But she's walking healthily now by the grace of God. Amen. And Hallelujah. I'm just so grateful for that. But we need to get to the point in our Christian walk yes. that yes. our immediate response is, okay, God, you love me. You love me. You're going to do what's best for me. How do I walk in it in a way that would be pleasing and glorifying to him? That's got to be our response. And that is a trained response. It doesn't come naturally. Yes. It does not come naturally. Yes. We are of this world, so bound by our feet on this terra that we don't understand what he's trying to do to us a lot of times. Yes. But when we can look at our circumstances and we can begin to say, immediately say, God, you've got this. Amen. I, I trust you with it. Then we know that we are maturing in Christ. We know that we are knowing his word better. We know that we're soaking it in and it's becoming Amen. who we are. Rather than just a platitude that God is love. Mm -hmm. The world says it. God is love. But they don't know the love of God. We need to understand the love of God will take us where we don't want to go. Amen. Because it is doing what is best for us. And sometimes in order to grow us spiritually, he has to take us physically into the pit. Mm -hmm. So that yes. he can pull us out. Yes. yes. And he has to say, you know, if yes. I'm going to let this person grow, if we kept them in the... <laughs> we, we, I remember the story of this um, child helping a butterfly come out of a cocoon. And it was struggling and struggling and struggling to come out of its cocoon. And the child helped it. And you know what? The butterfly never flew. Because it needed the struggle to get the slime off of its wings so that it could be all God meant it to be. And God's working in each one of our lives in the same exact way. Yes. He's going to allow things in our life that we don't understand. Yes. But once we understand Him, yes. Yes. and we understand His agape, then we can trust it. We yes. can rest in that. 
Amen. And we can just relax that he's got this. And we have to move past that platitude that God is love. It's not an emotion with him. Mm -hmm. This is serious business for our God. Mm -hmm. He is doing everything to reconcile all things to himself because man stepped out of his plan. And he's going to use whatever it takes to draw us back to him. And it's all for his glory, but it's for our good. Amen. And the more we recognize that, the sooner we recognize it, the better we will be. So in whatever circumstances, his grace is going to pour out his love to us. It's going to supply every need. It's sufficient for every need, it tells us in his word. So we just rely on that grace. How have you seen the love of God manifested in your life? Valerie. Well, first of all, thank God for his agape love. Mm -hmm. When we are faithless, he is faithful and his essence in love. And like you, many years ago, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Everybody acting like I'm going to die, I'm going to be careful. And I'm like, God, why are you telling me that? This isn't. And I never believed it. And I wasn't solving that like I saw how I'm solving it now. Today, I am healed. When I go back to the doctor, he got healthy and look at me and say, so you don't take no medication at all? The same doctor who diagnosed me, I say no. You don't take no medication at all at all? I say no. He asked me the third time, I say, well, let me tell you something. Not that you're old, but you're older. And to be your age and be not on one medication, that's something to be celebrated. Yeah. To God be the glory. Love you so much. Yeah. So, um, Every time we have a storm or we go into the pit experience, when we come out of the pit, we are not supposed to be the same no. like when we went in. No. We're supposed to be totally different. It's just like we are not supposed to be the same this year like we were yet last year. Because if it's the same, we are not growing right. in grace. We are not growing. When we walk in fear, and it will come, but we have to know the word of God too. Yes. To get from me. That's the thing, you don't trust God. You trust the news, you trust man more than you trust God's word. And one of my things was like when I was sick with COVID. And one of my testimony was, what I never thought any harm or danger was going to come to me. Mm -hmm. But then, I, what I was telling her, I said, I could go from Genesis to Revelation and find God giving me authority, healing scriptures, word that give me hope. He said, he will heal me upon my bed of language. So, for me to have all of these mm -hmm. and not pick one thing that I can hold on mm -hmm. to in any situation mm -hmm. and trust God and declare whatever me and my family go through is for his glory. Yes. But like it's a learned experience. It's not emotional. Right. God don't respond to our tears. He responds to our word. That's why he said in Isaiah, my word shall not return void to me. Mm -hmm. He also said in Habakkuk 2, 4, the just shall live by faith. He didn't say fear. The just shall live by faith. I think you read it earlier in, I think, in another well, scripture in the New mm -hmm. Testament. So he talks about this all the time. So what God's telling us, reminding us, because it's so easy for us to slip back when you hear, you know, and it's who you surround yourself with mm -hmm. and what you listen to. Mm -hmm. And it's also a point of just knowing, you know, if, if we set God first in our day, if we go to him first and we say to him, Lord, I want your spirit to lead me today. Yeah. I don't want it to be me. I want it to be you. Then anything and anyone that we run into will all be filtered through his lens of looking at them and his lens of love and his lens of understanding right and wrong. 
all of those things, that, that fear will be totally, you don't see fear as the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, all of those things, that faithfulness, that long-suffering, all of those things, it doesn't lose fear there. Exactly. Because if we're walking by the Spirit, perfect love casts out fear. That word perfect is complete, whole. The only complete whole love we know is God's. Because mankind is not, <laughs> not nearly as good as agape. <laughs> and it said, it's not by mind, nor by power, but by my spirit. So every day we have to tap in to the spirit of God. Right. And also, beloved, turn John 1. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health. Mm -hmm. So when I just said, A, because God wants me to be sick, right. and people are feeling like, oh, maybe God made this happen because, oh, I do so. It's not God. It's probably <laughs> disobedience or something we do in our life. I wasn't in the wrong place of to glorify because when Job went, oh, poor Job. went to that trial, <laughs> It wasn't because of anything he do. It was to glorify God. Right, right. Yeah, God has purpose in it. In everything. In everything. In everything. Well, even the things that he let he let Satan think he's getting away with. Exactly. Like Job. Okay, go ahead. Do what you want. Exactly. We'll just see what happens. And that's why you have to talk to Satan. Satan, you don't know who you play with. Now, Leave me alone. You I will put my daddy on you. Job's daughters and sons who were killed that day. They were probably wondering what was going on. But you know what? If they belonged to God, were they better off? Or were some? No, when we get so hurt down, we think this is the best that there's going to be. Oh, no. Heaven is our eternal home and happy for it because it's going to be a whole lot better than here. So when we get so earthbound that we just want to stay here, I mean, I remember those times as a young mom thinking, who's going to love my kids the way I love them? If I die, Lord, you can't let me die because no one's going to love my kids like me. What if Bobby remarries somebody and it's totally, yes. she's totally mean to my kids? I mean, you know, you have those human thoughts. And I remember having this argument with God one time and him saying to me, you think you love them more than me? You think you love your kids more than I do? No. So if I take you home, I'll take care of them. Trust me with yes, them. Yes, yes. And it wasn't that he was taking me home. He just wanted me to learn to trust him yes. with them. And realize that they didn't belong to me anyway. They're kids. But all of those steps, like you say, it's that maturing process. And we're going to deal with that in the coming, one of our coming <laughs> sessions. We're going to deal with walking through spiritual maturity and what yes. that looks like. Because I think it's important. So many times we get someone saved and we're just happy that they're saved yeah. and we just kind of leave them there. Mm -hmm. But that's not what God did. God gave us all of this so that we could grow in Christ Jesus. Keep our eyes on our, the author and perfecter of our faith so that we learn to walk like he walked. Thankfully, we won't be called to do the things he had to do. Because we are cross that we pick up is not anything compared to what he had to suffer. So, anyway, anybody else ever experienced the love of God manifested in their life? All the time. All the time, Mom. In big ways, little ways. Yeah. Well, praise God. He is a God that loves us. Not that he just loves us, but that he is loved. Because apart from his character being love, he would not have the same type of love for us. It wouldn't be the same source of love. But it comes from who he is. He is love. Father God, I just thank you so much for your love. Because if we had to meet you at your righteousness, we would fail. And we would not have any chance to be in relationship with you. But because of your great love, you have made a way for us to know you, to be in Christ, and to have a relationship with you, to have your spirit walking within us, Father. It's just an amazing thing because of your great love. Help us to remember that you are love. 
as circumstances come into our life so that we can combat what Satan is trying to do to get us off track, to get us um, to be unfaithful to you. Help us to remember your love so that our faithfulness becomes more sure every day. And we give you praise and glory for all you do and your great love for us. Thank you for each one of these ladies and how you love them, how you have a plan for their life, how you want to live through their life. And I just ask that you would go with them. Be there, God, in every form and fashion, Lord, so that they would walk in your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for your time this morning. We have some lovely refreshments to enjoy. Thank you, Valerie and Lorna and Chelsea. Enjoy <laughs> <Turn> those. <laughs> Just brought the water. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for that. We all need living water. <laughs>